Paul, could you please create three unique personas and have a conversation with yourself in them? <laughs> uh, okay. So there's 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 Grot Dog. Um, <laughs> how does Grot Dog live? He he lives how he pleases, <laughs> and um, he's he's swimming with disease, like literally swimming <laughs> with disease. He's surrounded by a glob of of, of liquid waste, right. and that's his power and his weakness. <laughs> and I mean, try and be friends with that, but also try and try and step to that. You can't, Grot Dog. Um, <laughs> Keep distance, sir. In either case, yeah. No matter what you're doing, yeah. Dog in a Grot Dog. All right, number two. Second, Pink Boy. Pink Boy. Grot Dog and Pink Boy. He's so pink. <laughs> and You don't even want to know. You can't even... Does he, does he burn easily? No, it's not that kind of... It's not a skin pigmentation issue. He's just very pink, though. <laughs> um, what, What's his power? Pink. Why would you ask that? <laughs> Why do you think that's appropriate? How would you know Pink Man and uh, yeah. not, not get on board with that? He has cut off a few balls from time to time. <laughs> but it's Look, purely in reaction to the, to the taunts. Who among us? All right, who's number three? Number three is the guy just over the road from me right now, who's <laughs> who's cleaning his wire door with a with a straw broom, and that's his name. <laughs> and and every time somebody says it, he just takes a little bit of your your life force, just a little bit of your age, and he, he eats it, and then you get older. But so does he. So no one benefits from any of this. <laughs> no, his broom though. His broom uh, gets younger. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah, I know. So if I could now see a conversation between Grot Dog, Pink Pink Boy. Yeah, Grot Dog, and, Pink Boy. Uh, and the man across the, the street. The old man across the street from me who's cleaning his wire door with a broom of eternal youth. <laughs> with an increasingly with an increasingly youthful broom. Yeah. Lovely. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Did you just call me Pink Boy? Shut up, everyone. The broom can hear us. <laughs> Fantastic. You are the new James McAvoy. Hold on to the light until the very end. Or another year at least. I'm the Horde. I like Kevin now? <laughs> you sure do. It's a revelation to us all. And no one. Oh no. We are still Kevin. wading through the very worst of 2019. And it's time to check in with the man whose career just refuses to follow a straight downwards trajectory. Just keep getting those blips. It's annoying. It's very rude. It is. It's inconsiderate. We're trying to build a narrative out of your life. It's M. Night Shyamalan's Glass. Maybe this will all make sense if I explain who I am. My name is Dr. Ellie Staple, and I'm a psychiatrist. My work concerns a particular type of delusion of grandeur. It's a growing field. I specialize in those individuals who believe they are superheroes. Good for you. Shyamalan made a great movie in 2000 called Unbreakable about a man who discovers he's a superhero. Uh, yeah. kind of. Then, in 2017, he released the movie Split, about a kidnapper with dissociative identity disorder, the final scene of which reveals it to be a surprise sequel to Unbreakable. And I saw this at the cinema, and in the light final scene of the movie, it pans over and shows that Bruce Willis's, you know, David Dunn is sat in the cafe, and 
I was like, holy shit. And I turned to the person I was with, like, can you believe that? And they were like, I know, Bruce Willis was in it. That's weird. <laughs> oh, you you haven't seen... Un- they were 10 years old. You haven't seen Unbreakable? <laughs> no. Should I have? Yeah. But also, I didn't know that you needed to. <laughs> anyway, it turns out the entire story involving the DID guy was meant to be an Unbreakable, but I, Shyamalan cut it out for balance. Oh. There was a time when Shyamalan cut stuff out for balance. God. You don't even... Christ. Don't even consider that do you <laughs> that that was a reality do i need this was a question Shyamalan used to ask himself sometimes this movie is therefore a sequel to both unbreakable and split mm. in spite of being a sequel to two of Shyamalan's best films and that's a pretty broad scale between the two <laughs> split does not equal unbreakable i must assure you oh okay uh the, the film did not have the same critical success oh. joe morgenstern at the wall street journal i've done it here all. we go done every bit of it uh, the concept is intriguing, but the emotional payoff is negligible. The surprise ending is feeble, and the whole enterprise resembles a recycling bin. In how many ways does it resemble a recycling bin? I mean, some <laughs> of the aesthetic is bin-esque. Is it more that it resembles the concept of recycling, I... rather than the bin in which... <laughs> yeah. the, the, the... No, it resembles the bin. <laughs> it's blue. It's got three arrows on it. <laughs> and people put pizza boxes in it. It's in my garden. <laughs> hey man, did you know that Family Guy made a joke about Osama Bin Laden? Two years before 9-11. I, d- I didn't know that. Isn't that weird? Who knew about... Who knew the name Osama Bin Laden before 9-11? Seth MacFarlane. In American security. Ah, <laughs> uh, ah. Uh, huh? Chris Morris' new film. Check it out now. <laughs> it's very good. I've heard it's really good. Hero of film criticism, Paul Salt, writing for the always excellent Screen Mayhem, said... <laughs> always. Usually always. <laughs> for us... <laughs> yeah. 80-20... <laughs> Excellent screen mayhem. <laughs> For a surprisingly long time, Glass had me going with its subtle action and ruminations on what it means to be superhuman. But as it chugs along and lumbers into its laborious third act, the problems become harder and harder to ignore. This is an awkward and bumpy ride, but undeniably one shaped by a very singular voice. It's another baffling and slightly embarrassing entry into the Shyamalan saga. I think I'd agree with all that except for Bumpy. I just don't, <laughs> can't see any of, of nah. N. Y. Shyamalan's films to have anything as violent as a bump in them. <laughs> anything that might jolt you awake again. It's, yeah, it's more of a... Hum, yum, 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 yum. It's more like smooth peanut butter drowning you. <laughs> But the thing is, Paul, thing is, us critics what? What? underestimated the mastermind. <gasps> Always. The public, however, realised correctly that this is the highest form of human evolution. Okay, great. Aaron Klinsman on Google. Okay, just strap yourself oh. in. This is a bumpy ride. I'm ready for Klinsman. Okay. Centre myself. After reading some reviews, it is obvious that critics are defaulting towards the M. Night Shyamalan disappointment story. Bummer. <laughs> and nothing they say is really substantial. Things about location quite a bit. The part about them going to location X or whatever. But it seems like they were looking at it as either one of two things. Okay. It's like learning to read again. I'm sorry. just (laughs) It's a whole new way of doing it. (laughs) A superhero movie or a crazy finale to the two movies before it. The cliches that Shyamalan avoids made me happy he did that. Yet those were the exact things critics complain about? Yes, it could have hit harder in a few places, but that doesn't mean it deserves to tank in the eyes of the public and the analyzers. Erase your brain of assumptions and such, (laughs) and just, uh, ellipses, just watch it. You'll have a good time. I know I did. 742 people found that helpful. (laughs) I think you can say 742 out of 10. (laughs) How? It is that is it's not something I would usually give to a film, but <laughs> he deserved it for 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 this. Seven four three felt wrong. Couldn't go that far. I love the the on, the omnibus that is the M Night Shyamalan disappointment story. 
<laughs> what a fucking tone that is by M. Night Shyamalan. Very self yeah. very referential. <laughs> oh, Jesus. The movie has 37% on Rotten Tomatoes, 43 on Metacritic, 6.7 on mm. IMDb, and made one fuck ton of money. Oh. It's uh, $247 million on a $20 million budget, which is a lot of profit, Paul. Wow, that's a devil inside sort of thing going on. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's 10 times. $20 million. That's And you know of that $20 million, $19 million went to Bruce, Bruce Willis, Willis yeah. and um, Samuel Jackson. <laughs> The other million went on special effects. Okay, Paul. I'm very happy to say, because it has been a while, we do have some Threemen. Oh, thank God. I know. Oh. Mark Falvo, who has appeared uncredited in more big-name movies than you've fucking seen. Oh, shit. 20. Uh, but most crucially for us, uh, he played a reporter in Bats v. Soups, a firefighter in Suicide Squad, and now restaurant patron in Glass. And curiously enough, he also played restaurant patron in The Sixth Sense. Maybe that's how you tie that movie <laughs> in as well. Thematic. Mm. <laughs> he he was one of those guys that just looked like M. Night Shyamalan had wrangled some dudes off the street to come and play the secret society. <laughs> you, you, you. You're the king. Because <laughs> you're wearing a hat. Should I get changed? <sighs> Did I leave Philadelphia? No. <laughs> Have you noticed how I've built a, um, a motel around us whilst we're having this conversation? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. On a minor note, Samuel Jackson's the three men because of those dumb Star Wars movies. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Oh, free to a man. Free in a bush. Free. Free. No. Films a shit, mate. Oh, and M. Light Shyamalan has a foreman because he keeps appearing in these fucking things. <laughs> and as long as he keeps making them. <laughs> we will keep talking about them. So, Paul, you the beast. Hello. Hello. Hello there. <laughs> <laughs> Which one was Pink Boy? You decide at home. <laughs> Pink Boy is sick of it. He's gone. <laughs> oh, shit. That's terrible. One of, one of your personalities is just like, you know what? Fuck this. He's gone with a broom. What's one thing about Glass that made you want to know the things that, that, that you suspect are extraordinary or, about yourself are real? Let me take another pass at that. No. <laughs> okay. Answer it. <laughs> Ronald the Superman puncher, Paul. He was, he was the, the shining light in my life. Oh, right. Um, because... Because he's responsible for inspiring the line, Superman punching Ronald. <laughs> Superman punching Ronald. What a hero. <laughs> Ronald. <laughs> if, look, if there's one thing M. Night Shyamalan knows, it's the youth of today. <laughs> so, I mean, that's where the movie starts. It starts with some that's YouTubers getting beaten up by Bruce Willis. <laughs> yeah. They do Superman, Superman, they Superman an old Chinese guy, an old Ch- China's eye. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> yeah, China. it's... Bit of a bit of a brooding, menacing start there Ooh. with um, some teenagers just being beaten to a, a bloody pole by Bruce by Willis, by actor old Bruce man Willis. Bruce Willis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who, by the way, in in the Blu-ray edition of this movie, Paul, which I acquired, <laughs> his face is a sight to behold. It is a masterpiece. Really, the definition on his wrinkles and <laughs> eyes and grizzled beard is just Fuck. beautiful. I was transfixed. It sounds like the final shot from No Country for Old Men. Just a study, only in seventy millimeter. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't far off. You know, Joker is being released in seventy millimeter, and I just don't know if I can st- stomach it. <laughs> I haven't got the the life force for that. <laughs> I'm so sad, and it's so high def. Oh God. Well, let's just let's just see. But for now, it's Bruce Willis, everyone. It's Bruce Willis, and he's got his son from the Unbreakable movie, who has aged five minutes in the last twenty years. <laughs> he did Gladiator, and his screen time with Joaquin Phoenix did do accelerated him. He was oh. the boy from Gladiator, and Joaquin Phoenix yeah. was the boy from The Signs. <laughs> you see, it's all all linked. God, Illuminati. The son has two crazy theories: either the killer that they're trying to track, who's James McAvoy, 
Either he's inside this very specific area, or, second crazy theory, he's not. Yeah. Well there, sunshine, says Bruce Willis. You slow down. I didn't stop appearing in Death Wish to come and do this. (laughs) I didn't stop appearing in Death Wish, full stop. (laughs) Never going to, ever. Eli Roth gets me, Bruce Willis. Oh, so... He He knows that movies are actually more about sport. Fucking hell. So Bruce Willis goes on walks to to try and figure out where this guy is using his little uh, premonition touch thing he's got going on. He has a brief flashback to when M. Night Shyamalan could get Robin Wright in his movies, which is a a very sad memory for Bruce Willis. (laughs) (laughs) When he's not walking around, he he runs a security business um, sort of with his son. Yeah. And Paul, they've they've got a customer in. Oh, have they? A, a fucking, a fucking poet of customodium. Oh. A hero of being a customer. Let your dad take a walk, Jesus. Yeah. Hey, do I know you? Did you used to work at the football stadium? Fifteen years. I used to hang out with some shady types down at the stadium in my youth. Turned it around with positive thinking. I need security for my own aura. <laughs> I know, mate, it's blinding me. It's that It's that holy. Everybody cries and hug. Yeah. And um, then he says, oh, yeah, I remember you, Bruce Willis. You were in that movie Unbreakable. I used to cameo around there when I was a younger man. <laughs> You're an ins- inspiration, dude. Keep it up. <laughs> You're a visionary and a poet. You're probably going to change the world for the better with your words. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the, that's the first scene in this movie that feels like it's Birdemic. Um, and... <laughs> There'll be a few more. Yeah, there'll be a few more. Not too many, but no. Not as many as you'd expect. Not as many as Lady in the Water. Um, speaking of Lady Water, they've, they've got a, a fucking flatline female to um, <laughs> play the lead in this film once again. Oh, what, Sarah um, Paulson? Yeah, no fault to, no fault to Sarah Paulson, I feel, because this just seems to be like M. Night Shyamalan's thing. Fuck yeah. Um, Drain them of life. Yeah, here's your script, Sarah. No, don't read it like that. Don't read it like that. Don't read it like that. <laughs> don't read it like that. Don't read it like that. I'm not going to stop filming. Don't read it like that. And four days later, it's the Stanley Kubrick technique. It just drains the fucking life out of it. Yeah. I understand that the three of you think you are superhuman. That you don't think you are normal. You've convinced yourselves you have extraordinary gifts, like something out of a comic book. I am here to discuss the possibility that you are mistaken. But before we get to, dro- to Dr. Sarah Paulson, he does in fact happen upon where the Beast is keeping some cheerleaders that he's yeah. hilariously captured in costume. Yeah. And they've been sort of s- sat around talking with the various personalities, and then mm-hmm. when the Beast approaches, it occurs to them they might want to try struggling. Yeah. We'll have a go. Well, you were so nice before that. Yeah. He's like two to three um, psychopathic kidnappers tops. <laughs> Any group of four girls can take that. <laughs> Luckily, Bruce Willis shows up and has a fight with the Beast. It goes badly, and Bruce Willis looks vaguely awake. <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan did make sure we had enough close-ups every other second of Bruce Willis's face. Just to, to reassure to us that, that he is awake. He is here. He's alive still. Just Muh. for now. But it gets broken up by Dr. Sarah Paulson, who miraculously knows how to neutralize both of them, based on her research into nothing at all. <laughs> she then says very loudly over the radio that the son can hear, Take them to Raven Hill Memorial Hospital, the West Wing of Raven Hill Memorial. Take a West on Fremont. <laughs> Go left. <laughs> Ask for Gus. <laughs> she has a thing for describing buildings in strange ways, Paul. And- <laughs> This will come up again a bit later. I'm sure it fucking will. <laughs> uh, anyway, David Dunn, Kevin Crumb, and Mr. Glass all end up at the same asylum. Fuck this. Oh, no. 
imagine. It turns out that Sarah Paulson, in a conversation with David Dunn, says, I treat those individuals who believe they are superheroes. And, and David Dunn goes, you know I'm invincible, right? <laughs> like, you actually know that I survived that train crash. Yeah. That was... You saw me fall out of that window. <laughs> you, you've shot me twice today. You literally could. <laughs> and it would be You're fun. doing it now. <laughs> but he, he gets a bit out of order, so they have to spray the entire room with water, his only weakness, except his bed, which yeah. is visibly dry throughout the rest, the rest of the scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, imagine a wet bed. Oh, no. I'm imagine a wet that. bed for that entire time. They're not monsters, Paul. They're scientists. Bruce, we need you to sit you on a wet bed for the rest of the scene. Nope. <laughs> okay. No, Bruce, it's, it's for the character. No. Oh. They just, and then he didn't say anything for three days. <laughs> so they filmed all the reaction shots. <laughs> Spliced it into all the dramatic fight scenes. For dialogue, they just spliced in all the different times you went, oh, in, in other films <laughs> and made it sound like words. You know, like the Truman Show poster is just loads of small <laughs> shots of Jim Carrey's face making up a large yeah. sort of, it's like a synecdoche. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a synecdoche, synecdoche of Bruce Willis sounds. That's this film. <laughs> so yeah, it's, um. well, our three main characters are now locked up and not going anywhere. So let's catch up with some side characters. Yeah, brilliant. Fuck yeah. What's her Bruce face? Willis. Uh, yeah, what's her face? Anya Taylor-Joy from The Vivitch. Um, yeah. She has her narrowly missed character arc from Split well and truly diverted. <laughs> Just it's Jenny Nicholson actually pointed out that they nearly did something so fucking clever with her in Split. She's uh-huh. got this abusive uncle um, and she had this moment in her life where she nearly shot him, but he was like being nice guy uncle at the time and not his the abusive uncle. Yeah. And so her having to face someone who literally has dissociative identity disorder in which he's only occasionally a monster was a perfect analogy for her for how abusive partners are. That they're not uh-huh. horrible all the time. Sometimes they're nice, and it's when they're nice that you need to try and get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Um, but then they avoided that at the end by not having her... The obvious payoff is have her kill McAvoy whilst he's Hedwig or something. Like, one of the yeah. really trusting nice personas. Yeah. Uh, but she doesn't. Instead, he takes pity on her because she's really fucked up, and she has scars. And that's really come to... Um come home to roost in this movie because she's here yes. and she wants to see him and yeah uh, well now so- sarah polson says i need you to fuck this thing for science <laughs> i need you the power of true loving physical affection it's like something supernatural it's the lack of it that caused this and only the true version of it can heal it will you help me i mean it goes against literally everything we have in place here but sure go hold his fucking hand i don't care <laughs> You puff. Jesus. <laughs> What's wrong with you, Dr. Sarah Paulson? Fug life. In, in fact, let's just interview all three of these fuck nuts in the same room together. <laughs> yeah, there's a group fucking therapy session in which all three inmates wait patiently as she talks to them in turn. They only interact <laughs> with each other twice, so this was worth doing. But as Mr. Glass gets wheeled in, Bruce Willis says, um, Hey, this guy killed everyone on my train. He's a mass murderer. A mass transit murderer? <laughs> <laughs> We have to cut, cut, M. Night. You can't just laugh at your own jokes. You're standing right near the boom mic. You insist on standing near the boom mic. You're in front of the camera. (laughs) Like Lars Montrier in fucking Kingdom or Castle or whatever it is. Oh, fuck me. Except with his back turned. Well, Sarah Paulson at this stage offers up plausible explanations for the events of Split, you know. How did did I bend those bars? Those bars were old and very rusted and shitty. Well, I got shot with a shotgun twice. We've analysed the movie that happened in. It's very cheap and clumsily made. If you look closely, it wasn't even a shotgun. It was M. Night Shyamalan's sandwich, hastily painted blue. Not even the colour of a shotgun. <laughs> he thought the critics would hate it, so he did it. And, <laughs> Subversion. Yeah, but you, you saw me climb, climb walls and ceilings. Yes, but you've watched a lot of videos about rock climbers. 
and now you can climb anything. <laughs> you watch Suicide Squad, and now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you're not you're not a superhero, Mister Glass. You're just very, very, very clever, very, very clever. Like yeah, the which cleverest I'm, person. Which I'm very aware of, which is why I'm now going to tell you that I'm going to lobotomize you in two days. Do something about it, Puff. What's wrong with you, Sarah Paulson? <laughs> Sarah Paulson, more like. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't get that. Uh, she's gone deep. She's gone method. Is this about sports? I only care about sports. It's all right, Willis. <laughs> you go back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> where's he? Where's Eli Roth? And he's whispering in his ear like worm tongue. <laughs> A oh, wise how, question, my liege. How late this conjurer of tr- cheap tricks makes his appearance? You can't say that to me, <laughs> uh, Eli Roth. I'm M Night Shyamalan, brilliant director. I sound like Christopher Nolan. I've been played by Clive Owen for the last 20 years. <laughs> How many times have I had to step in and play visionary but somewhat deluded directors? Two is the times. <laughs> Twice already. So, <laughs> God. Glass sneaks out of his room and Googles Bruce Willis. And he finds the excellent headline, Is this the overseer? Recent photos offer no clues. <laughs> Great article. I'm clicking on that. <laughs> What's this got to say? That's like the Game of Thrones season eight teasers that the Daily Mail or the Daily Express were releasing online. <laughs> Spoiler for Game of Thrones season eight. These guys think not. <laughs> yeah, if they were honest. Sansa to get killed by Bran? No. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Absolutely not. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Here's something about immigrants or whatever. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Daily so, Express. So, so <sighs> what, a, what a surprise. They, they kind of get out a bit. Well... They get out. Glass they is able to get out. Kill the guy out. from the new Christopher Morris movie. Yeah, Glass is able to get out because he's he's very sneakily noticed that there's a healthy fucking gap between the shifts of the guards who are looking after him. The guards, That's sneaky. The guards cheerfully greet each other passing outside of the asylum. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently one of the guards, fucking Bodie from Point Break, the replacement guard, regularly spends 20 minutes lecturing his colleagues about healthy living. Enough so that he's able to Google Bruce Willis, have a lengthy conversation with the Horde, and then subsequent to him getting lobotomized, we realized, oh no, he didn't get lobotomized because he was fucking swapping out lenses and learning about the fucking lobotomy machine because Bodhi was still banging on about kimchi. <laughs> Glass kills Bodhi and yeah, he, he frees the horde. A very expensive sounding conclusion is set up. Can't wait to see that. <laughs> um, he makes a comment to Hedwig, the young boy one. He says, you're always nine? That's incredible. It's not that rare. Look at Bruce Willis's son. <laughs> he doesn't like to talk about it though. <laughs> It's different. Um, you you try getting screamed at by Joaquin Phoenix and aging another day after that. <laughs> couldn't literally couldn't, couldn't literally couldn't. So like they break out supposedly to go to the Osaka Tower um, to yeah. stage a massive showdown, and Sarah Paulson goes. They're gonna um, cause a scene at the Osaka Tower, the tallest building. <laughs> that is, I think that's just after the strangest fucking conversation heard outside of the happening is held in Doctor Paulson's office. Your father is making great progress. I'm very hopeful for him. Did you know the first Superman couldn't even fly? And Metropolis is actually New York City. And what about all the coincidences in what I was reading? That, that's nothing to do with anything that's being said. Uh, well, James McAvoy roars a bit in a series of comedic wide shots. No. <laughs> Bruce Willis receives an email saying he has to be in the movie some more. <laughs> <laughs> Bullshit, fucking hate this Kids oh, It's sheer chaos outside of the asylum But um, hang on, Bruce Willis's immortal child has something to say <laughs> Let's all stop and listen 
fuck me, it turns out the glass killed McAvoy's dad. Yeah, and McAvoy kind of kills Glass, and then... He does. He becomes Kevin again. Like, Kevin's the good... Kevin's the original guy? Is he yeah, he's Kev- he, yeah, he's Kevin. Kevin becomes OG Kevin. Original yeah. Kevin, before New Diet yeah. Kevin came out. Yeah. A bunch of stuff happens whilst characters explain the stuff that's happening, which is very yeah. helpful. That yeah. big <laughs> twist, that big twist they've been banging on about, you know, twist, it doesn't happen. They just have the climactic fight in a car park. Yeah. And I am grateful, not for the subversion of expectations, but because I really just didn't want any more scenes. I was so relieved to, to when it dawned <laughs> on me that they were just going to have it out in the car park. I really, really didn't want them to have to finish this in Travel another part to the of tower. Time. Yeah, yeah because there'd have been a travel section that had been on the tube <laughs> and some kids would have been like ah, he's like my favorite superhero he also <laughs> yeah i bet he's on his way to the climactic final battle he's gonna, he's gonna go and climb to the top of the tallest building and uh, and then another guy <laughs> in a trench coat it's so obvious he's gonna come to the top of that as well and it's gonna be an exciting <laughs> thing and the critics aren't gonna like it but they have no fun in life <laughs> and then they get eaten by a monster. But we get shown a weird tattoo for the first time because it's never too late to start foreboding. That wasn't um, in, was that not in Split at all? No. Great. Okay. When he when that tattoo shows up on the arm of the fucking sniper, that's the yeah. first time we've seen it. Fantastic. Yeah. Good stuff. Don't need to set up a twist. So yeah, the sniper kills McAvoy. Um, they go to drown David Dunn in a puddle. At which point we get a flashback to the secret evil organization meeting in a restaurant. And basically two people leave their table and then everyone goes quiet because they're all in the organization. <laughs> so they were just waiting for those two to leave. Rent it out as a function. <laughs> oh, I think I will have the dessert, actually. Oh, <laughs> everyone in the restaurant says simultaneously. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, you're not even talking. You're just going... <laughs> and you, and you, and you. No wonder we didn't get served any food. <laughs> you might as well at this that you might as well just be in our secret society. Would you like that? <laughs> I mean, no, we actually. do take fucking anyone. Look at these guys. <laughs> Literally anyone. This guy just does not his suit. Doesn't fit him Look, even. We're gonna have to kill you if you don't join. No, still no. <laughs> the last thing David Dan hears is dreadful dialogue. Uh <laughs> they all die. In yeah. the Order of the Clover, they go and do the restaurant thing again. Yeah. There's got to be an easier way to do this. I've been here for seven hours. <laughs> at least stop letting people in. The restaurant even... we got to choose a different restaurant at least because they make us order food <laughs> for our entire stay there. And you got to keep eating. A, you can't just leave the food there. Otherwise, they come they come around and they say, the pasta okay for you cold, sir? And you have to... You're like, oh, secret society. You know I'm in the secret society. <laughs> I come here all the time. You, you're part of it. You're part of it too. The waiting staff are part of it. Basically, the Order of the Clover is committed to simultaneously manipulating Michael Myers and also to um, making sure that there are no superheroes ever. Yeah. Possibly by sicking Michael Myers on them. Maybe Jamie Lee Jamie Lee Curtis was actually meant to be the next Captain Marvel. Still time. So twist. It makes more. Uh, it makes more sense than what actually happens in Halloween Six or in this because uh, there's another, there's another <laughs> or twist. In this. And oh, twist! It turns out that Mr. Glass, Doctor Glass, had uh, planned it all. He knew it all <laughs> along. Professor Glass, um, and mm. he'd streamed it. He knew that at least one of the 750 cameras that Sarah Paulson had installed was going to pick up on <laughs> them escaping and fighting. Yeah, and uh, he leaked it across the internet. Yeah, and he live streamed it to the, Twitch. The children and relatives. He did. They, they fucking love it there. And <laughs> the the three relatives: Dave, David Dunn, Immortal Manchild, yeah, Arclus Wonder, and Samuel Jackson's mum. Yes. Who was in the movie. Who must be 180. <laughs> they sit there with some empty coffee cups, pretending to drink, 
whilst waiting for this this to go worldwide. And when everybody finally sees that there is one person with superpowers and two two very evil people with superpowers really doing horrible horrible things to the world. <laughs> they just they just sit there, they bite their lips a bit and go, "Fuck yeah, we're the best." <laughs> By which we nice mean, one. there's Evil a guy relatives. who can tip over a car given enough time yeah. and enough rocking. <laughs> that, look, there's a beast man who uh, who rips people apart. You can't explain that. And this guy is responsible for the death of hundreds. <laughs> nice, nice. I had we I, did it, everyone. I did actually giggle in the cinema because I suddenly imagined how that scene might go, which is just everyone around them just starts laughing at the footage they're seeing, <laughs> and they're just in this station like looking around whilst everyone's just pissing themselves with laughter, looking at the <laughs> climax to glass. <laughs> oh god, yeah, so that was that was M. Night Shyamalan's glass, the conclusion to the Unbreakable trilogy. Yeah. What did you make of it, Paul? Oh, I'd say it's it's pretty fragile. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tap too hard. It Look, it had a lot more going for it than a lot of the M Night movies we've done. Agreed. There was there was a lot here that I liked, but the mm. the story was so contrived and, and yeah. twisty that it's it's like whiplash, but like what you get if you were going too slowly. <laughs> Just tripping over a cobblestone. Whoop! Oh. <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm okay. Um, but you do it once every four minutes. And 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 you know, pretty um well shot, I thought, for a lot of it. Like it, directing was a bit more competent. Mm cinematography maybe but the um yeah not the directing but the (laughs) the the same old problems are there the script yeah the the twist terrible dialogue very paper thin characters i will say in terms of direction that's just the pacing was a little off there were some sequences that actually worked although i think a lot of that comes down to the music by west uh dylan fordson Mm. who did a really good score for this one much better than the scores of a lot of Shyamalan's projects it's very good Occasionally it did make a moment, there's a moment where Mr. Glass is just twirling around in his um, mm. his wheelchair, intentionally being seen on the um, the cameras, and he sort of moves his hand up as he sort of twirls yeah. around, but the score does this really creepy sort of little... <laughs> kind of thing, yeah. and it makes it a sinister moment, like this is the worst thing you could possibly be seeing ever. <laughs> Even though it's just Samuel Jackson lackadaisically wheeling himself around in a circle. I did quite like that scene. It was very um, incongruous and it made me mm. laugh. Um, but <laughs> the what I found was the soundtrack was fantastic, but not right for this film. <laughs> it, it had some really gorgeous, like, it felt like Babel or like John Bryan or something at, at times. Mm. Just some really gorgeous, airy pieces, like really beautiful big pieces well i mean but some of the more sublime melodies i think are james newton howard and his score for um unbreakable which makes several appearances in this but the the more sort of creepy culty horror music i really appreciated and that was that was fordson okay um i will say that the first act does raise hopes Hmm. and i think to be honest though i feel like a bit of an asshole for this it's a movie i wish i liked kind of or at least i wish it was better because i like the idea of a much more subdued superhero movie that largely takes place in one location Hmm. is based on character and you know the the feats the great superhero feats are very very um minimal i like all of that i just wish it was good yeah i wish it was good characters i wish what was happening made any sense yeah i i just 
Yeah, I That's wish fair. the experience was smoother. I think it's just—it's a good idea. It just needed someone else to write and direct it. And we've, we've been so here that before. Like, could have a story credit. Yeah, we have. We've said exactly that. He's yeah. the ideas man, and you need—you need somebody who isn't so like sure of their own brilliance as a writer to write it. Maybe. Yeah. Um, because. I mean, for M. Night Shyamalan, anyway, his faith in himself means that you get these really indulgent conversations that they do feel like the yeah. very like worst case scenario of Tarantino. Student film. Yeah. yeah. When Tarantino has a thing about critics or about violence in movies or he gets meta. And, yeah. But just, just, just even blunter and duller and worse and yeah like I, I really wanted to like it and i and i did for the first half i was thinking well, this is this isn't bad you know it's yeah i got bored at 44 minutes okay that's when i checked the time and that was somewhere around the third go nowhere conversation with the horde mm. sarah paulson keeps meeting with him and you know it's a chance to show off james mcavoy doing his acting bit again yeah. And it just, there's no development or progress made there. And it just becomes yeah. frustrating. Yeah. I mean, I've got to say, I liked, I liked the performances from all three. Even, even Bruce Willis. I still like <laughs> seeing Bruce Willis. I still like his presence, even though he's just, just a bit, he's a bit sleepy. And I, I, I just found him too absentee in this one. Yeah. This one, he palpably didn't give a fuck in this one. Oh. And, you know, every so often you get a blip on the radar, you get a looper. Or um, I yeah. feel like there was something subsequent to looper. Well, there was Moonrise, but that was the same year. Yeah. But, um, oh no, this was, this for me, this was him at his most, you could have replaced me with a mannequin of me. <laughs> oh. I, I I was willing. I think I was willing to create a fiction in which David Dunn himself was tired, and <laughs> and He's that so made it tired. <laughs> They're tired of everything. But God, you know, and I and I I haven't seen Split, so for me the James McAvoy thing was new. I mean, I saw the trailer and, and went, oh, that's cool. And yeah, I was I was impressed was, by James McAvoy's range. It was very good. I it, thought it was, and I feel like I've seen people say, you know, oh, this is just a very standard, you know, actor's trick to sort of. Um, you know, move between roles like this. You do it as part of like an exercise. But I, I feel like the the level of nuance in his um, physicality. I think it's yeah. the physicality that made it really good. It was, um, yeah, especially characters like Patricia and um, Hedwig. There's a yeah. a way of carrying themselves there, which I think, yeah, was really good. Where is he? Who? The man. He is guarded, isn't he? He can't get out. Why did you pick us, Hedwig? Oh, uh, because you're impure and you haven't done any suffering. Yeah, at times really funny, at times quite intimidating. You know, yeah. the quietness of Patricia as well. She's be very vulnerable yeah. at times. Um, one mm. scene in particular where she's um, sitting on the edge of a bed on point, like her toes on point. Um, mm. Just oh, a right. wonderful bit of physicality there. I just adored it. But then there are some really <laughs> sort of subdued moments of menace from her as well. And yeah, there, there are times, you know, and again, I'm very willing to attribute this to M. Night when he'll have a character and the first thing the character does is announce who they are and what they do. Oh, you think, me, yeah. Don't do that. It's so fucking stupid. You don't need uh, that. Like I was just gonna say a quick glance at Bruce Willis's filmography. He hasn't been good since twenty twelve, so I'll just, okay, cool. just put that one to bed. Okay, that was the last time. Five okay, years ago. Five um, seven. Oh my god. Yeah. You're uh, old. Don't blink. It's all over. <laughs> Not as old as Bruce Willis though. <laughs> we can't all be we can't all be Bruce Willis's son. It's uh, two extremes there, his son and Bruce Willis himself. <laughs> Very opposite ends of the aging spectrum. <laughs> the son has all of Bruce Willis's youth. <laughs> Do you want Bruce Willis's youth, though? <laughs> he did. He had energy. He, did. he had energy as recently as 2012. And then that kid, that fucking kid, came along. Sapped it all it's out. not even his real kid, but he is now. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I could talk for 
a good hour about all the finer points of McAvoy's performance. And and I think that, you know, I, I you see movies where people are doing, you know, like, God, why did they cast him as an American? Or why did they cast this mm. guy as, as Irish when he's from Texas? And, and, yeah. and like, some people struggle to maintain one performance in movies, like, very yeah. successful actors and James McAvoy just seems to be doing it effortlessly and I and I was mm. really impressed by that yeah it was very good it was a good performance and I think ultimately both this film and Split would have been much weaker without him oh for sure I, so yeah I think we'll conclude on Split in on Glass by just saying it's a film that promises to be a lot more interesting than it is it's certainly unique mm-hmm. it's worth watching I think yeah. once you know well most people did it seems because it made really good box office and I'll say it's almost heartening that something like Glass makes money yeah it's such a subdued, different kind of film, and yet it did actually do bank, which yeah. I kind of want to applaud. I guess, I don't know where I am with Shyamalan. I don't want to say that he's cynical. You know, that can't be the thing that irritates me about him, because he's not really. He definitely puts himself into his fucking movies. Yeah. He's just bad at it, and I don't understand <laughs> why I can't still like him. He's like Salieri. You know, is there not room for mediocrity? Does that not give hope to us all? I mean... Is there mediocrity and then there's me- me- mediocrity, sorry, and then there's mediocrity where they're basically painting themselves as a fucking genius. That is the problem as well, is his yeah. lack of humility. If yeah. he could present himself as a sort of, um, what do you call, what's the fucking guy, um, oh, Roger Corman. If he could present himself as a Roger Corman style mm. fellow, then that would be, that would be one thing, like a trickster or a P.T. Barnum type. But yeah. no, he really does still consider himself the sort of successor to Spielberg. And yeah, and it, you're right. I really wanted to like this, and there's a lot of it yeah. that I did like. It's just, it's always gonna, yeah. and unless he's gonna share the reins with somebody, it's always gonna have that that those yeah, problems he because he's unwilling to change. Collaborate. If we could just collaborate, I really feel like we could be in for something special, and not just with Will Smith. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about those things that we liked. Yeah. Then let's quick fire. <laughs> Quick I really like James McAvoy talking over the production logos. Created a unique tone, yeah. and it culminates in the fucking excellent line. Now, who'd like a PB and J sandwich? You do. Yeah, that was great. That was very cool. I liked the introduction of Unbreakable Man at, at the beginning. He's presented as a, <laughs> as a way way more of a menacing figure than a than a hero, an anti-hero, you might say. Um, yeah, yeah. It was a good, you know, without, you know, without dialogue, without hammering the point home, it was just there with some really, um, with the, you know, use of some excellent music as well. I, I really like the way, the subdued way he subdued the two kids, I think was really good. Just yeah. lights off. Yeah. Pours himself a glass of water for some reason, even though that's the only thing in the world he's allergic to. But, um, fuck it. He does it. Show's not messing around. It's a great sequence. I don't know what it means or why it's in here, but James McAvoy goes down to a sewer and finds a bunch of bums. And then takes off his shirt and turns into the beast. And it's a great tracking shot of him entering the tunnel. And it's very menacing. And Mm. the music's on point. But why? (laughs) It seemed good in a dream that M. Night had. (laughs) In the day. I call it a dream of days. Because he then then immediately shows up at the plant again. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. I like the list of famous last words that the son was keeping, the immortal child. When when Bruce Willis goes to <laughs> subdue the YouTube kids um and they say their they oh, say yeah. their lame last words before they get beat into a pulp and it cuts back to Kevin Dunn or whoever it is, uh, the son and he's got a notepad of like things that 
hooligans say just before they're beaten up. This. You didn't see it. No. Oh, there, you know, there was a list no. of just really crap famous last words like you're going to be tasting tasting ass for a week or something. Or, and there was just a, <laughs> like a notepad full of them, and none of them were That's like great. particularly amazing, but it was a really cool idea. That's, that is really good. I like that a lot. Um, I really like that when they're fighting. Um, James McAvoy's on the back of Bruce Willis, and they approach a wall, and James McAvoy does a barefoot one-two tap on the wall, mm. pushing them forward. And it's just a, a nice thing, sort of rhythmically, of just one, two. Yeah. Slap, the slap of barefoot on wall. That is nice, actually. <laughs> I think the, the, the slap of James McAvoy's naked body on, on things in this film is good. Um, <laughs> good slapping. There's there's this this scene where, you know, Willis is doing his walk. And I like the way him walking around was shot. There was just something solid about it. And the way, you know, the, mm. the setup of that scene. But he, he walks past McAvoy and gets his um, premier vision. And um, he, he McAvoy does another kick. He's he's as the nine year old, and he kicks the garage door that he's walking past before recoiling in yeah. shock and then running away. Yeah. Again, just love the physicality <laughs> in the, in his performance here. Yeah, it was such a little kid thing to do. Yeah, I like the um, the appeal to David's humanity when they've uh, when Doctor Paulson is arresting him. Um, he uh, she says something like, um, "You might be able to get out of here, but not without hurting a lot of people." Yeah, and that was a really good way of disarming him and it, it again demonstrated that she's done her research on this guy yeah, and, um, I, yeah I, I like that idea the idea of yes you can fight your way out of here but you are gonna have to hurt people and you don't want to do that yeah i really like that idea i made note of that as mm. well the, I, I just love the the intelligence there like the difficult choice that i presented him with yeah she probably say for, for me like ragging on sarah paulson's character all this time she was part of a secret society <laughs> that was intentionally asking these stupid questions and giving these stupid explanations um I guess so yeah but um it was all on purpose it was all part <laughs> of the plan you see it all worked out <laughs> genius look mcavoy looks fucking great he's in very good shape <laughs> that whiskey and pork pie diet is really working out for him <laughs> god bless god bless that scott bod okay so this is clearly an indication of the cheapness of the budget, but I actually liked it. There's a bit where um, Bruce Willis notices that the horde is right across the um, mm. hall from him in a very unlikely sequence of events Yeah, that definitely shouldn't be protocol. But this asylum is very poorly run. <laughs> and we cut immediately outside. We've had no indication of aggression from Willis, but we cut outside and we hear the big water tank out there empty. Mm. Uh. First of all, it's setting up the fact that there's a big water tank outside, which will come up later. Yeah. And But secondly, it's a really kind of cool, subtle way to indicate that Bruce Willis has just been doused with water. Because I got it immediately. I was like, oh, that's what's happening. And then we cut back inside and, you know, the bedsheets are completely dry. But I still, I still liked it. It was a neat little subtle bit of communication from Shyamalan. Yeah, well, I, I really like that shot, actually, where Willis and McAvoy's doors open at the same time, um, mm. and, and they realise that they're just across the hall from each other. It's re- it's really well communicated without, without dialogue. Well, the, which is not utilised later, incidentally. <laughs> that never comes up again. Um, I really like the flashlight sequence in which um, one of the guards decides to be a bit shitty and mm. um, threaten um, Samuel Jackson and holds a flashlight sort of above his legs. And to be honest, ev- ever since 2000, seeing Unbreakable, the idea that his bones are extraordinarily bl- brittle. Always really freaked me out. Mm. There's something about bones breaking that's always upset me very much. And yeah. in cinema, it's potential to be really horrible with, you know, gruesome sound effects and screams and yeah. gross stuff. So there's a good deal of threat in him dropping that flashlight on this guy's legs. And, you know, it's very smoothly filmed as well. Just at yeah. the last minute, he catches that flashlight. And I, and I like the stress that that nurse is going through. He, Mm. Afterwards, he's he's kind of like, oh, I don't know, I don't know what's going on. I'm losing losing my grip, and it's like, oh, he's not just some horrible doctor from 
a Halloween movie. Mm. <laughs> he's got a lot of shit going on. And yeah, again, yeah. just just depth to that character. He's not just an asshole who deserves <laughs> to die. Yeah. I'll just lump it in. Um, the funfair bit is also pretty horrible when um, it oh, shows yeah, a flashback yeah. of the kid at the funfair. Diminished slightly by the fact that he only actually hits twice. Like his arm breaks on the, um, the thing he's holding and then he gets slammed against the side once. And it doesn't look as gruesome as it promises to be but the build-up to that moment is pretty good it's pretty um unpleasant it is and you see the broken arm and it's pretty gross i like it when he cuts um guy from the day shall comes throat uh samuel <laughs> jackson when yeah. he cuts his throat because it's from bodie he cuts his um uh he's got his back to camera and samuel mm. jackson like just very quickly swips a bit of uh, glass across yeah. his throat and yeah. he's just very very slowly kind of choking on it and Mm. very very gradually leaning to one side as yeah. he's about to slump onto the bed Samuel L. Jackson just starts his evil genius spiel yeah um, yeah it's just very well shot yeah it's good stuff kind of very unsettling it is unsettling yeah it's a vicious way of killing someone it's that human as meat thing mm. and and also Samuel L. Jackson just having no remorse for it whatsoever. Yeah. He's just nothing to him. Um, although I do like the fact that Mr. Glass, potentially artificially, but is very respectful of Kevin and his various identities. Mm-hmm. He goes in calling Patricia by her name and, you know, referring to her at all times and later on sort of reassures him that being nine forever is a great thing. And just generally, I don't know, it's just really cool the fact that Mr. Mr. Glass is really sort of understanding and respectful of Kevin. I just... I yeah, like that. That's cool. I, I enjoyed the wonder of McAvoy at the beginning when he's skating around his hostages. Oh, yeah. And he's yeah. talking about girls and such. <laughs> yeah, again, it's just, it's it's really well shot. And yeah. some of it's a bit, you know, it, it, it risks being a bit over the top at times, mm. but it's um, a lot of it is just the discomfort that you feel, I think. Yeah. Um, there's a just good... a really interesting shot and really u- utilising James McAvoy here. There's a really good um, moment there where um, McAvoy is almost mid-shot and then very yeah. quickly drops to his knees and comes forward in a um, close-up. And it demonstrates a very diverse and um, uh, focal range there, but also just, um, yeah, it was quick camera movement, and it was very sly, uh, very slick. Yeah. I like that quite a bit. Good stuff. I like the fact the beats, uh, <laughs> speaking of a much narrower focal range, uh, the Beast takes out three guys behind Glass. Glass is just wheeling towards the camera. He's in focus at the front of the shot. In the back, we see a blurred mcavoy mm. taking out three guards and it was a good it was well choreographed bit of action which is rare for this film the climax so i don't know if we really got into this is kind of clumsy and a bit dumb but this this particular fight looked good and it was neat having it just unfold in one smooth motion and it was also quite vicious so mm. and culminated i think in a guy being very quickly pushed into a wall which involved a special effects shot so yeah. an ambitious little moment i liked it yeah it definitely was actually lots to yeah. lots to like there uh, you know, I'm glad the girls got saved at the beginning. One of them got a table in the head, but, you know, <laughs> I, was, I was glad that Shyamalan let us get the cheerleaders. Yeah. It is yeah. implied that a bunch more have been killed. And two perfectly innocent teenage girls do get eaten alive in, gla- in Split. Yeah. So it's oh, nice that so those... negative, Paul. <laughs> yeah. It's nice that some teenagers get to live. I liked the Horde's death. Both the, um, mm. the sniper shot, the fact that the, um, the laser from the sniper thing just briefly gl- glimmers around in Anya Taylor-Joy's hair. Yeah. Forcing him to step out of the way, and they're both too confused to really do anything about it until there's, you know, a shot, and he notices a hole in his chest, in his um, mm. abdomen that starts bleeding quite quickly. Mm. Um, that was cool. And then his last words, the fact that each of the personalities gets to say a sort of last thing. Not each of them. There's not 23 lines said, but um, yeah, there's a there's a little moment there where uh, goodbye, you know, <laughs> not me, <laughs> boy, boy, boy. <laughs> um, and you know, and Kevin at the end, you know, holding the light until the very end, and. Yeah, it was sad. Yeah. It was a sad little moment, thanks to McElroy's yeah. acting chops. James McElroy. 
<laughs> James Actor McElroy. extraordinaire. <laughs> when McAvoy keeps trying to beat the lights that, that come in in his cell whenever he, sh- mm. he shows an aggressive personality, they come yeah. on and blast him once, then a second time. And then there's one time there where it clearly... F- like it feels like it's for comedic effect. The light, the second time the light comes on, is longer than usual. Mm. So usually it's like a boom, boom, and this happens about two or three times, and then it goes boom, boom, and it's just just a very weird bit of, I would assume, intentional slapstick. And if it is, then okay. it works. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. My last one is that in the uh, station, Anya Taylor Joy, when they realise that everyone around them is uh, seeing the footage, Anya Taylor Joy's anticipation face. Is really fucking great. It's very sweet and kind yeah. of um, just you know, oh, I just found out that Christmas is going to be a day early. You know, just um, a sort of <laughs> kind of face, and it just I found it very endearing. Yeah. Um, I guess my final one then is that I, I like that the showdown takes place in, in daylight. Ah, that's, okay, that's interesting. It's not like a rainy, dark night. It does pose issues, to be honest. Uh, the, the thing is, a lot of these conventions, and again, this is something that Shyamalan has historically failed to recognize a lot of them do exist for a reason and you will have to try hard to overcome those reasons mm. you know and in this case showing things in the dark allows you to cover a world of sins mm. um so you need to be creative to get around those mm. so that you don't have just for example a line of swat officers just standing idly by in the background yeah. of a scene not doing anything but yes I, I agree it's a nice little subversion that it happens in daylight um it just it just needed a couple more of those strings to get covered up. Yeah, I mean it's it's there's bravery there in in doing that and um, the way yeah. he did, I think. Uh, Got to respect <laughs> it's that. It's the bravery. It's the bravery of a man with a very large hole in his trousers, just <laughs> thinking, you know what? If I'm just confident, and get up on stage, no one will notice. <laughs> but it was very large. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Well, how about that OGT? Stuart Watkinson at Stuart Wright said, "Help me fall asleep on a long flight." Oh. <laughs> Uh, actually, I'm going to bear that in mind. Yeah, you got one of those coming up, so... <laughs> and you just refuse to take heroin like the rest of us. <laughs> oh, I can put Angel has Fallen on again. That was lovely. That was a very good night's sleep I had in that, in that screening. Uh, Nick C at Nick Ibis said, Once again, I have not seen this film. So, uh, thanks, OG team. <laughs> a stirring response from the OG team this week. <laughs> There's that um, $260 million profit <laughs> at work. Apparently none of which came from the OG team. Fantastic. Yeah, brilliant. Well, that's good stuff. Let's let's talk about the one better thing. The one better thing. My one better thing is that I much preferred the last time Bruce Willis found himself um, locked in an asylum under false pretenses. That's right, it's 12 Monkeys. Nice. Undoubtedly Terry Gilliam's best film. It's a film with a mm-hmm. real sense of menace throughout the whole thing. It's set in a dystopian future in which um, some terrible virus has destroyed most of mankind and rendered the surface of the world a terrible wasteland somehow. I can't quite remember how that bit works. But anyway, most people are dead. Everyone's got to stay underground. And uh, Bruce Willis is sent back to the past uh, in order to try and... You can't affect the past when you've travelled back there. So what all he's doing is trying to figure out who the progenitor of the virus was so that a pure sample mm. can be collected um and as he goes to an insane as- he ends up in an insane asylum he happens upon a young brad pitt who might just be the uh, party responsible and he also falls in love with a doctor so it's an excellent film it's really just beautifully designed it's terry gilliam at his best probably because it's terry gilliam at his most subdued um mm. i don't think yes. really uh, in brazil is probably the him at his crazy best but 12 monkeys is him at his legitimate best i think 
Um, it's a very well-designed world, beautifully played by Bruce uh, Willis. He really does play a man who's just fucking coming apart at the seams. Um, yes. Whose questioning of his sanity is very, very plausible. <laughs> There's real moments mm. in here where you don't quite know what to believe. It's just too crazy. And the, all of the stuff in the asylum, I remember being great. Brad Pitt, this might be his best role. It's certainly his most lively and his most unpit-like. Um, mm. It really reminds that you... that Mickey from Snatch? <laughs> oh, fuck, yeah. It really reminds you that there was a time when these superstars used to really go out and earn their bread. And, yeah, yeah. it's great performance, it's great direction, and a really good film. Twelve Monkeys. Cool. And good music. Twelve Monkeys. That one's called Patient Zero. Monkeys monkeys behaving twelvely. Oh, Twelve angry monkeys. Twelve angry monkeys. <laughs> twelve angry monkeys. What a great fucking <laughs> concept. Twelve angry monkeys, but one of them is still Henry Fonda. <laughs> yeah, I say that boy's innocent. <laughs> <laughs> you raise a good point. <laughs> Let me out. Um, Let me out now. Uh, each ah, <laughs> uh, each your peanuts. You can't say that, Henry Fonda. <laughs> Different times. Why do I have to play Henry Fonda and the racist one now? Fair. <laughs> this was before the monkey right movement. Um. All right. Well, my one better thing. Comes straight from the, the mind piece of Man in a Tent, Josh Trank, <laughs> um, who directed the meta coming of superpowers uh, type piece, Chronicle. That's a good choice. Uh, starring Dane DeHaan and Michael B. Jordan and the other guy. As uh, <laughs> a few friends who find a strange substance that imbues them with incredible abilities. But this tent this only really serves to bring out their darker sides and escalates pretty quickly in a, a world that is not ready or lenient towards people with these kinds of powers. Yeah. Uh, it's a really interesting piece, a subversive take on the superhero movie and accomplished. Scompl- and accomplished with a little more um, aplomb and uh, gives a little more space for inference mm. than Glass does. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a promising start from Josh Trank. Mm. Um, <laughs> it's been a dip, but he's doing Fonzo now with Tom Hardy and it's about Al Capone and that's apparently coming out this year. So <laughs> um, I'll be curious to see what happens with that when, when Al Capone gets the, the abilities to crush cars with his mind <laughs> i'll be curious to see what happens to the production budget after he wrecks his hotel room again yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh dear good stuff those were both one better thing <laughs> both of them <laughs> the one better thing oh christ paul how can people find out more about grammar but also this show grammar <laughs> i mean who knows but <laughs> this show you Nor can me. get in touch with us twitter <laughs> it's all impossible <laughs> find find us at OGT Pod uh, Twitter, Facebook, and send us an email at OGTPod at gmail.com. And if you want to um, get in touch, yeah, you do all the things that I just said. And there are a lot of things that you can do to help us spread like a virus, like a world-ending virus that Bruce Willis <laughs> would ha- have to come back and extract from Patient Zero. We're talking to you, James Smith. And um, <laughs> that is leaving us a review on iTunes. Review it. You could review it. Like like Paul Salt reviews good films. Review like that, but for us. <laughs> which I mean which I by which I mean brilliantly. Nakedly. And you could tell a friend. Tell it. You could at us or hashtag us on Twitter. At it. You could tell tell your dad. Tell your cat. Tell it. You could tell your mum and your dad as we give up the bucket of Vindaloo. Tell it. Tell am. Tell am. <laughs> Tell I'm Express, all the way to OGTville. Yeah. That's where you're going. And while you're doing that, why not go on your, your handheld device and go on to a lotofgreen.com.au, where you can find us and other really great Australian podcasts. Go it. Go it. Tell I'm go it. <laughs> Do on. Conjugate the verb to go it. <laughs>
We go it, he, she, or it goes it. No four. <laughs> go it, tell am. Listen, listen down. And shit, and shit it up for the pool boys. Shit it, shit it in. I'm pool, listen it over. It's a do four for me. And remember, one good thing about glass is split. <laughs>